Welcome to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. Cindy, there's a chill in the air. I know. I love this time of the year. I'm so excited. I feel so alive. Baseball <laughs> baseball is done. Oh, is it? I thought yeah, they I mean, played summers, on, Didn't they just I mean, play on Sunday? I, I don't pay attention. I mean, I'm afraid know I don't pay don't, attention. But, but, but I, I did do. see people running around with Orioles but shirts on on Sunday. I swear and I did. It, when baseball is done, it's time for soup. Okay. Well... <laughs> <laughs> I know that sounds weird, but that's a childhood well, association that's strong in my mind. It's like when you're it. done, you know, when, when 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 you start playing, when you stop playing baseball and you start playing football, and you're a little kid, it's like you know you go to your great grandmother's house and mm-hmm. she's going to be making soup. Sounds sounds like a wonderful situation to me. Yeah. All right, this could be very lengthy. I well, love yeah, soup. Beca- one I mean, of my favorite things to make as a chef. Well, when you think about, what, what, I mean. You could have a soup that was different, but exactly right for that day. <laughs> I think it's. I'm going to be soup 365 days a year. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, yeah. like a metaphor would be like uh, you would pick no, exactly the right necktie every day. That's the reason. Well, you know, that, like it's it's that choice that is exactly the thing for that day. <laughs> what is that weather? What is going on? What is in personalized the market? soup? Exactly. What okay. is your mood? Mm-hmm. Well, I was kind of thinking just because you said football. That doesn't have anything to do with personalized, but it does no. in a way because I was thinking of a beer soup. A beer soup? Yeah, which there's would be no great one, for a football there's no game. One, there's no one in the world that's not going to want to hear your recipe for that's, a beer soup. That's, that's, that's nice, and thank you, and I think I will tell you then. Okay. So beer so, and cheese soup. I mean, really seriously. Could drink, there any th- do, be anything more drink. American sounding than that? And well, you need, what do I drink what? Beer while you're making the soup? Uh, I don't because you know that I don't care for beer, but- um, I think most people probably would. Sure, why not? So why not? it's a yeah. fun day. It's Sounds Sunday. Reasonable. The yeah. soup is not that hard to make at all. So it just takes a little prep. You need to have some Yukon Gold potatoes. I would go ahead and peel them. Um, that's probably the most prep you're going to find yourself doing besides chopping an onion. So chop an onion. You don't have to worry about the way it looks or really pretty much anything about it because you're going to puree the soup. So you do have to have your blender. And um, so you saute an onion in butter and add the diced potatoes and cream, uh, beer, and I would use something that you really love. I mean, it's a little bit like all cooking. This is not the place to put the the least flavored beer. You want something that's dark and rich and probably pretty hoppy and, you know, just lots and lots of flavor. And um, Tony's frowning at me. No, you're just using technical beer terms for the oh, non-beer drinker. Oh, I'm, I'm not impressed. allowed to be intelligent when it comes to beer. No, Thank of course you, you are. So um, then we're going to finish the soup <laughs> with Gruyere cheese. And Gruyere is one of the great melting cheeses. So it's perfect for this sort of soup. And, um, and you want to make some wonderful butter, you know, so you're going to saute everything, work it up, put everything in. Uh, the beer is kind of fun to put in because it foams up when you add it. And I would show, if I had a child that was old enough, I would probably show them that part because it's kind of cool. And um, a little salt. I'd put a touch of pepper and a touch of cayenne in, just give it a little bit of spice. The cheese will like the cayenne. And so will the beer for that matter. And um, once you've blended it, um, just all you need is a little garnish. I would reserve a little bit of Gruyere for it. And you can Always use a different type of cheese. You could use a smoked Gouda, which would be fun and easy to find at the store if you like that flavor. Um, you can use something a little bit more refined and that you could find a great one of the great Irish uh, cheddar pieces mm. um, would be my choice. That's what I would you put in. You could do a, a nice dark Irish beer. and A nice 
piece of Kool-Aid or a something. Nice rich Irish Ooh, or, cheddar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I have a wheel of Keen's cheddar coming in from uh, the British Isles uh, at the end of October. Uh, Actually, no, I'm sorry, right before Thanksgiving, um, because that is the time that I hope I'll start to see truffles. And I am absolutely going to make beer soup with that Keen's cheddar when it comes in, because it has that wonderful, earthy, celery um, smell and taste to it that's just really sets it apart as one of the greatest cheddars to me that I've ever tasted. Um, and it is white, so it, it does not impart color into the soup, but... Um, uh, it's really good. And then do some wonderful buttery croutons on top and... You know. I feel compelled to ask you for a pretzel recipe sometime <laughs> soon. <laughs> yeah, actually, we were thinking about making pretzels for the bar. Uh, pastry chef and I are working on yeah. on that. So um, I, should, I think should, that would be fun to have little pretzel bites at the bar. And you're you're for at the, the time of the year. You should be sending uh, to guests uh, the amuse bouche. You know, the little uh, little treats of uh, beer soup and pretzels. Yeah, that would be fun. That would be probably the heaviest little treat that you've <laughs> ever sent, but it makes some people pretty happy. Yeah. Um, well, and also you were talking about this time of the year and fall. I I can't help but think about apple cider. I just I love apple cider. And um, I was thinking it would be very fun to make a fruit soup with apple cider. So sort of in a different perspective, you know, you have these wonderful pears, especially if you have some pears that have gone past their, their beauty stage. And um, I mean, they're not pretty, but they're but probably really they're sweet. They're so good. Yeah. yeah. And uh, making a soup with pears and cider, um, adding, you know, all those wonderful fall spices, a little bit of nutmeg, a little bit of cinnamon. Um, and in that case, I would probably add um, some sort of alcohol in the form of whether it's cognac or maybe a Madeira or sherry um, to that soup. Or if you don't want to put alcohol in, you could add a touch of lime, just a little bit of fresh lime. Uh, I love that. Even though the cider already has some acidity to it, um, the lime just brightens up the soup. And actually, one of the good ways to handle the fruit while you are while you are dealing with it, and you don't have to peel it because, you're, again, in this case, you're going to puree it, and you, it doesn't matter if you have the skins on the pears. So that makes it a little quicker to make. And you're really not cooking anything. You're, you're not cooking anything. It's it's a it's a soup that you're doing everything cold. Um, so so, so a, a chilled soup. Yeah, chilled soup. And so Indian summer soup. Yep. Or you could make the soup. You don't have to cook anything to make it, and then you could eat it. So you yeah. could you could serve it either way. Also make a pear and walnut soup that is a hot soup where you saute onions and shallots gently in butter until it's just sort of just before it begins to get any color. You don't really want any color. And um, add pears to the pot. And again, when I'm peeling those pears and dealing with them or cutting them, I do rub them with a little bit of fresh lime juice. And then add, um, you can either use half and half or cream, or you could use stock and cream, whichever you're, you would prefer as far as lightness goes. And uh, again, adding, in this case, I might add port um, to the soup, which will give it a really pretty deep base. And then add the walnuts near the end, let them become soft and puree and strain. And you're that's just, you're on a really streak really of boozy soups. Yeah, I like booze in the soup sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually one of the trickier things to do is to act, is to pair wine with soup, mm-hmm. especially hot soup because it's wines at a particular temperature and and soups like a consomme or something. It's essentially impossible. Mm-hmm. You'd have to have a, a a little bright savory something a dry sherry or something. That's about it. I think it would be fun for people to make consomme at home and, and, you know, to get that moment of being so proud that you made this thing that takes quite a few steps and then it's perfectly clear and, you know, that you achieved that. I think that's a great thing to achieve as a cook. I will admit that, yeah, I'd like that, but 
you know me, I run, I like things that are a little more country sometimes and have mm-hmm. a little more. Uh, so what's on your mind? Flavor, caldo. You know the the hot soup that uh, that 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 traditional hot soup you see in Argentina. That's very much on my brain. The the the, the caldo that they make with uh, beef bones, where you roast the beef bones to brown them a little bit in the oven. And you roast the mirepoix, a little heavy on the onions with that. So carrot, celery, onions. And uh, there's always a chili that goes in the pot. And you make the broth with, with those with those cracked beef bones. And uh, hmm. um, if you're lucky that you have like rib bones or, or you know, mm-hmm. shoulder blades, that kind of stuff, you get really good, uh, really good protein you get. And you, you can make that soup where it's almost a little bit reduced. And then it's just a matter of all the vegetables and timing out the rhythm of timing out what vegetables to put in the pot when, because you have this great you know sort of like tan colored broth. Once you you know you make it the one day, cool it and then clean it up and get it hot the next day, and uh, and then you're going in with turnips and potatoes and sweet potatoes and mm-hmm. celery and and little tiny sweet onions and and carrots and and you and know, everything and, remains and what, whole. And everything remains whole or, mm-hmm. or, or big pieces, kind mm-hmm. of. And all of these things are, are, you know, very slowly, like, boiled or braised in, the, in that broth. And uh, just gets finished with a, with a whole bunch of fresh chopped parsley. And, and if you like a little fr- uh, fresh chopped garlic, if you have really nice garlic. Beef, beef That's broth this, is that, just so good. That, that and bread, like grilled bread mm-hmm. and that soup. That's... Uh, Sounds like very it's not, satisfying. It's not, it's not heavy necessarily because it's a broth, but it's very satisfying. You f- it's very like close to the earth. It's like you can feel the le- your leaves change inside. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> As you good. consume that soup, I think that's a that, that's a that's a good thing. And that's the, the the rhythm of making that I think also is like if you if you make the broth on a Saturday and you have that soup to serve, like you have the big brunch or whatever, but you have that soup to serve with that great bread. And maybe a piece of cheese afterwards or something for yeah. uh, for dinner on Sunday that's night. Nice. I think so. I think that's nice. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. So, any any soups with no booze for you? <laughs> one of one of the other things I like this time of the year are beans a lot, and well, I just it's, love it's the working time with for beans. All the fresh beans. So I just uh, black beans, white beans, navy beans, mm-hmm. red beans, kidney beans. Mm-hmm. So I just butter beans made. Say, are you gonna go again? <laughs> No. Jeez. <laughs> I just made a serious white bean soup and um Asturias. I thought you said a serious white bean soup. No, Asturias. Okay. Asturias. <laughs> yeah. White bean soup from uh that region in Spain and they're famous for these gigantic oh, yeah, gorgeous this, white beans. They're like as big as your thumb. And I got them through La Tienda, which is a company that you can buy from online. So that's why I throw it out there. So if you want to buy the beans, they're very hard to find. I mean, none of my purveyors could produce them for me in less than two. And, you know, and, and I gave them two weeks' notice. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm like, oh, gosh. Okay, so let me just go to La Tienda. Um, they are not cheap um, as far as beans go, but gosh, you know, they're just amazing. And you really need to soak those well overnight. So I would get up in the morning and put them in a 
container really uh, with extra water and put them in the fridge and just let them stay until the next morning. Um, You do rinse them first a couple of times, make sure they're clean. And um, this soup just gets a whole lot of meat. Um, So a little bit along the lines that you were talking about, a whole lot of vegetables. This this has, um, I would use a, a whole piece of slab bacon. So let's say right around 12 to 14 ounces. Say you're making soup for 10 people. I would use almost a pound of bacon in there. And um, slab bacon is, is a whole, yeah, it's the whole piece of bacon. Yeah, well, come on. That's, that's, you need some that's serious, serious bacon pork flavor. and beans right there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cut it into four pieces, brown it in the pan. And then I also add um, two different types of chorizo. I added uh, Iberico chorizo, which is really earthy and really fatty and gorgeous. And then um, another type of chorizo that had a lot of pimenton in it. And... Um, you know, it was it was literally bright orange. It was very acidic as well. So between the fatty, rich, earthy one, meaty one, dark, meaty one, and the spicy uh, in the form of pimenton, which is not hot spice, but a spice, um, and all the acidity, the two really helped to flavor the soup as well. And um, because you have to cook the beans so long, that piece of bacon, um, especially in the form of a slab bacon, because of the meat is really protected by the fat that's around it, that is some really tender, wonderful meat to add back to the soup. I, when the soup is done, I pull all those those big pieces of bacon out and just gently pull that meat out and you know put it into bite-sized pieces and put it back into the soup and remove all that fat. Um, and then just onion, shallot, and a good bit of garlic. And then I put fresh because we're still getting some great um, red slicing tomatoes. I, I, what I did was, it was kind of fun. I've never done this before. Uh, uh, what? Those tomatoes are going to go. Oh, I know. It's sad. It, well, it's cold now at night. Yeah. But um, I sliced the tomatoes and then sort of julienne them. And I, um, when I went to cut my head of garlic, I smash it with my knife to pull the skin off, and then I smash it on the board with kosher salt, which helps you to chop it really, really fine. And um, it it just, I rub that in with the julienne tomatoes on the board, which is a very unusual thing to do. Normally you wouldn't want, because you don't want to lose any of this juice. But, um, and then I actually drizzled a little bit of extra virgin olive oil on there and ground some pepper in and put some rosemary leaves in and I just smashed the heck out of it with my hand and kept pushing it into the bowl as it as it got juicier and juicier and I, that's what I put in to really season the soup and oh my goodness that was really really good sounds like addition. a violent process <laughs> and I steeped um, uh, about a tablespoon of saffron in a cup of wine and added that after the saffron got to do its thing in the um, wine and added that and I put a stem of rosemary in and just let it cook slowly and gently and you know then afterwards just cleaned it up by removing the fat from the bacon and um, it was pretty amazing any soup that starts with a pound of bacon I think is gonna <laughs> it's gonna probably work out just fine <laughs> Well, when we come back on Foreman Wolf on Food and Wine, we'll have an interview with Eva Dellinger from Dellinger Winery in Sonoma, California. Well, 
Welcome back to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we have with us Eva Dellinger from uh, Dellinger Winery in Sonoma, California. How are you, Eva? Uh, doing very well. Hi, Eva. How are you? Good. Good. So you all are the, at the moment of time that's most critical in, uh, in the cycle of the year for you, correct? Exactly. We are right in the middle of harvest. And so what's, uh, what's already come in, what's coming in now? Give people a little idea of what it is that you all, what you grow, what you produce, and what the, that, that cycle of, of harvest is as things come into the winery. Sure. Well, it is an early year, so at this point in time, we have already harvested all of our Pinot Noir. And as we speak, my team is uh, picking the very last of our Chardonnay. And in the next day or two, we are going to uh, start in with our Syrah, and then probably in another 10 days be looking at picking our Cabernet. Now, most of, it's funny, I had uh, one of my, one of my uh, wine shop staff uh, went and did harvest uh, this year at William Salium, and uh, she's already been back for 10 days or two weeks. California, depending upon where you are, has very different harvest times, is it not? It can, and it, it, it varies year by year, uh, probably by about a month. So this year we got started in August. There are other years where we can be picking, for the, we can start picking late September. So there is a fair amount of variation. Where um, William Sillium is, it's the same region, but it's just a touch warmer so I wouldn't be surprised that, that they'd already wrapped up. What are your temperatures now? Well, we're actually in the middle of our uh, what's perceived to be the last wave of heat for the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it alternates. It goes from warm to cool. You want to take a moment or two and give us an idea of the, the history of the winery, how your family got into it, and, and uh, where you all are? Yeah, with pleasure. Well, um, it's got a long history. We have 40 years of history because the company was started by my father, Tom, and he got going as a pretty young man. Uh, It was the mid-'70s, and he had been in the wine industry just a a couple years when he was hit with an entrepreneurial bug and came and found a ranch in the Russian River Valley which at that time was, um, it was in apples. There were uh, a number of, of apples in the area. And um, saw the land and uh, felt that it was going to be the perfect place to, to plant his vineyard. And uh, started at that time with three varieties, with Pinot, Chardonnay, and, and Cab. Uh, it's, a, it's a mix of varieties which... At the time, um, Cabernet was considered to be more of a, a sure bet, and, and Pinot and Chardonnay were more, believe it or not, more fringe. And in over 40 years, that narrative has flipped, and the region has become known for Pinot and Chardonnay. Yeah, I think I probably, when people speak to me about, uh, you know well enough that what a fan I am of the Pinot Noirs that you all make, that People are always sort of shocked that they've not heard of the winery, don't know the name, and are shocked that the prices are actually fair for the really spectacular stuff that you guys put in the bottles. 
Thank you. When did your, I, I know in the early 90s, I was seeing things from single vineyard sites. That wasn't really uh, de rigueur in California for, I guess, probably until that time. When did he start separating out plots into different bottlings? Let's see. Our first, um, well, and to give some perspective, uh, what we're doing is, um, is really a state-focused. So we have got 40 acres of vineyard, and it's all on one site. So when, when I'm speaking about the different varieties, it's, it's all here on one ranch. And um, so in some sense, our focus has always been, or has long been, I should say, uh, single vineyard, although as, as you're indicating, it hasn't always been promoted as such. And in the early 90s, we started really picking apart the different aspects of our vineyard and learning about the the differences in the soil types. And in the um, in the first part of the 90s, we did our first Gold Ridge bottling, which is a soil-specific um, Pinot Noir bottling and uh, was a precursor to our Altamont bottling, which is also soil-specific. So it's been... Uh, uh, several decades now of exploring the nuances of our site and the different um, different aspects that different soil can give to a wine. Yeah, the Gold Ridge bottling is, is the only vertical of American Pinot that I have in my cellar at the house. How about that? And uh, hmm. Now, there was a bottling. It's funny. I think I still have one or two 94s left. Uh, at that time, there was also a bottling called Octagon, wasn't there? Yes. Yes. In fact, uh, we do many different bottlings from our ranch, each um, heralding from a, a different portion of the property. So we have Octagon, we have High Plains. Uh, in some years, we'll do an Old Vine Reserve. We do uh, Champ de Mars. And um, in the last year, we have done Renatus, which is from our replanted vines. What are the different types of soil that you have that you found then? Our two types of soil, our two main types of soil are Gold Ridge and um, Altamont, which also goes by the name Sebastopol Series. Okay. And they are, they're both weathered marine sandstone, mm-hmm. although they, uh, they look very different. The Altamont is much redder in color, and it's got a higher portion of clay whereas the Gold Ridge has much less clay and is quite sandy. How did you get involved in the business? Because of your father? or? Yeah. Uh, I grew up on the property. I grew up uh, surrounded by the vineyards hmm. and winemaking. And I was, as a child always very comfortable getting dirty, <laughs> Good. and <laughs> I still am, That's and it's great. a pretty, pretty important attribute of being uh, in wine, mm-hmm. and uh, I was always very interested in science, and uh, studied earth, earth sciences with a focus on land management, and about the time that I was finishing college, was very interested in uh, the Bay Area beverage culture, was eyeing uh, perhaps entering the brewing industry hmm. and ultimately landed with wine, loving the agricultural connection. It's one thing that is very special about being in winemaking is that you 
uh, can participate in the whole um, spectrum of what it takes, starting with a grape and going to the glass. Mm-hmm. Did, have you worked for other houses other than your family's? I've been lucky to have um, a series of stages around the world, mm-hmm. uh, in France, New Zealand, Australia, uh, that, that have helped uh, inform my, my work here at Dalinger. That's great. Any, any big surprises on your stages? Big surprises. Hmm. Uh, you know, uh, maybe this isn't a surprise, but uh, one thing that w- has been a delight about seeing the world and traveling the world is um, learning what a strong connection there is between wine cultures around the, the, the globe, that you can go to France, Australia, Germany, Spain, and, and find families who are growing and making wine and uh, who are dedicating their lives to the same thing and uh, will welcome uh, people who are doing the same activity from around the world. That's great. It's a there, sharing community. So what's the, the, your favorite of the more mature wines from uh, Dalinger over the years? Ooh, favorites. Um, you mentioned the 94 vintage. That, that's a pretty special vintage. Um, uh, the, the Pinot Reserve from that year is certainly one of my favorites. Uh, on the Syrah front, I'm a huge fan of our 06 and 07 Syrahs. Those are uh, tasting really, really well right now. Any oddball varieties that uh, I know once upon a time that you all got, was it 09 that you got some Zin from a neighbor that you all bottled? We did, yeah. That was a, a fun project. We got some Old Vine Dry Creek Zin. This is dry farmed cross-cultivated, and we made a blend with Petit Syrah that was also grown on the same property. And it was um, a fun, uh, one-time uh, project. But uh, I'm a huge fan of Zinfandel, Thomas too, my father Tom. So it was uh, a, an amusing way to, to branch out and uh, do something a little different. So sort of, sort of oddly, uh, soups are one of the tougher matches for for wines, maybe as a, from your perspective, you can help us out. We're doing a program on soups. Oh, great! And uh, some are not so easy to match with wine. So it occurred to me: Do you have a favorite? A favorite soup or a favorite match? Both. Let's see. Um, soups. I think perhaps the challenge is the texture, in in terms of matching, but the flavors, in some way, are a natural. Because I think of soups, I think of savory flavors, which go so well with wine. And the first thing that comes to mind for me are uh, the soups that my mother makes from vegetables that we grow here on the ranch. So uh, minestrone with homegrown tomatoes and kale, and uh, you get rich, savory flavors that can go well with any number of wines, with uh, uh, pinot and, um, and even Syrah and Cab. So that's when I think of soup and wine, I think of minestrone. I also think of pumpkin. We grow a lot of pumpkin here on the property. And um, pumpkin soup with Chardonnay would be uh, in my realm of favorites. That can be pretty fun. We get some pretty spectacular pumpkins from a particular farm on the eastern shore of Maryland that we look forward to every year playing around with. There's a pumpkin soup with uh, with chilies that that we make in one of the restaurants that is pretty fantastic with your Chardonnay. Thank you. 
any other matches in general that you uh, that you like or, or really don't like about you know dishes for wines that you all make? Well, this isn't in the soup category, but my absolute favorites are any lamb dish with Syrah and duck confit with Pinot. Those are for <laughs> me; those are just classics. Sounds good. It's funny. I often want mushroom garnishes on dishes with your uh, with your Pinots. Beautiful. Especially if it's got a little bit of bottle age on it. Getting back into the, I guess, the fi- uh, 05s and 04s now. So other favorite uh, wineries in the region that that we should know about that are up and coming that uh, maybe people haven't seen on the East oh, Coast yet? There's so many great producers uh, doing uh, wonderful things with local fruit. On the We were just talking about Zinfandel. I think there are really excellent Zinfandels coming from the Russian River Valley. My favorites are from Carlisle and from Hartford Family. Those are beautiful wines made with old vine, Zin, and uh, mixed with many other varieties naturally in the field. On the Pinot front, um, uh, Radio Coteau, uh, Cobb, closer to the coast, lot of uh, producers specializing in, in Pinot and Chardonnay and, and doing a, a wonderful job. Great. Uh, maybe take a second and tell folks where they could uh, learn more about Dellinger Wines. They could start by coming to our website and reading a bit more about what we do and seeing some of the photos of the ranch and the property and our wines. And uh, if they wanted to learn more, they could sign up to join our mailing list. We send out uh, newsletters twice a year chronicling what we're doing on the farm and the wines we're making. And uh, the mailing list, is, is that accessed via a website? Or? Uh, to sign up, you can certainly sign up on the website. Uh, and, and that's D-E, it's Dellinger? D-E-H-L-I-N-G-E-R, DellingerWinery.com. Awesome. Hey, thanks a lot for coming on the program. My pleasure. Look forward to seeing you out there. Thank you so much, Eva. Take care. Very cool to uh, to get her on. That's funny. Mm-hmm. I remember meeting her, her dad in the uh, the middle eighties, and he was oh gosh all fired up. That's cool. And uh, and already making cool stuff. Great wines. And uh, yeah, and then with them with those ninety fours, it's like oh, this guy is serious business, right? <laughs> and it's cool to see it move to the next generation. Yeah, it always is. So makes me so happy to have a gen- next generation take over. And you don't mind seeing the woman in charge? No, I don't. I think that's very cool that she's in charge. When we come back on Formula Wolf on Food and Wine, a little more soup chatter, and then uh, Chef Challenge, if you think you're up to it. Chef Challenge. Here we go. On WIPR. Welcome back to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Chef Cindy Wolf. I'm Tony Foreman. Yeah. And so, Tony, do you have some You're soup so ideas? <laughs> I am. <laughs> Started the segment. I can't wait for the Chef's Challenge. I think it's fun. And that was great to talk with Eva. She's amazing. 
That was very cool. Oh, this stuff, is, nice this stuff is just beautiful. Well, I mean, and what a busy time for her to stop and talk to us, Harvest. Oh, my goodness. So that was that was really great. Yeah. No, that's – it's funny. When I was talking to uh, Leah, who, who works with me, who just got back from Harvest at uh, Williams Salyum. Right. She came back with the same piece of wisdom that most people do when they work Harvest for the first time, is that it takes a lot of beer to make wine. <laughs> uh oh! <laughs> it's a lot of work and a lot of sweat, so right, you know, right. and, and a lot of simple oh, food. A great at, experience. At the end of the day, so good for her. That's yeah. great that she got to do that. Yeah. Okay. So you have some soup ideas? I have. Yeah, I've What's got another. On your mind, Tony? An, another soup of the Americas. I'm, I'm thinking about. Okay, acorn squash. I was always frustrated by acorn squash because it never seemed to have any flavor. Okay. And yeah. so a monkey a, with it. It monkey. is a little lacking. I don't work with acorn squash. Right. So I found when mm-hmm. I rub acorn squash with cinnamon, salt, really good honey. Good, yeah. And roast it and cool it in the husk. Mm-hmm. You know, like split it in half, clean it out, do all that, cool it in the husk. And then scrape it out next day or an hour later, or one, you know, however you want to make mm-hmm. it work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've been sweating sweet onion in the pot, just, just nice white fresh onions. Um, not a gigantic amount. It's probably probably one onion to two squash. Okay. And uh, and you need to have prepared two apples. Granny Smiths are nice. And uh, making a soup with that roasted acorn squash and the apples, and uh, finish that with a little bit of chili, depending upon how much heat you want. Just it could be nice chili oil. It could be a, almost like a relish or a salsa with uh, sweet and hot peppers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had made some pickled padrones. Uh, the red, the red padrones. <laughs> those things are yeah. really yeah, spicy. Those, those, those are serious. Business. We were eating them in the walk-in to see how spicy they were. I'm like, yeah, this is yeah brutal. A little, if you want the soup a little bit richer, a little bit heavier, basically a little bit starchier, mm-hmm. you can add white beans to it. Yeah, and that's 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 an easy way. If you want it more like light, silky, you can go without that. But that's a, that's an easy pureed soup. And uh, the acidity from the apple and a little Acorn, bit of heat. squash and granny Smith And the apples. sweetness and the honey okay. is, is terrific. And it's a light, beautiful soup. A little crispy pancetta garnish wouldn't be bad either. Nope. <laughs> Pork never hurt anybody. Okay. <laughs> so. All right. Any more on your mind? Uh, I was really thinking about, um, you know, some sort of meat-based soup that has rabbit in it. Um, I just love rabbit. And I like making stock from rabbit. It's very pretty and sweet. Um, so making a quick stock from that's the a bones. De- that's a delicate stock. Yeah, and it and it doesn't take long to make, which is nice. Um, I mean, they're tiny bones, so you're not going to get much gelatin from them, but the flavor is really nice. And if you just lightly brown them in the oven and then uh, go to make your stock with mirepoix, carrot, celery, and onion, and a little bit of bay leaf, and maybe a tiny bit of thyme, I would be very careful with that because you can quickly blow out the taste of the soup or the stock. And then just make your stock and... I kind of feel like um, gnocchi would be a really amazing, wonderful garnish for such a pretty light broth. So, you know, just a little bit of wild mushrooms, maybe morels in the broth. Um, If you want to make the gnocchi even lighter, use a little bit of, cut the potato in half and use ricotta. Yeah, oh, ricotta gnocchi would be really pretty. And, um, yeah, just have your fresh sautéed morels in the bottom of the bowl and, and heat up your gnocchi, pour your broth over it, and, you know, a little shervil or a little bit of fresh thyme or some very light uh, fresh herb as a garnish, even just a little bit of Italian flat-leaf parsley. Um, but don't do anything, you know, strongly flavored with it. And I just think that would be such a pretty pretty broth. I, I, I love, again, I think it's very fun to make gnocchi at home. 
Another thing you can show your children how to make and and kind of do the the thing as a family if if that's your situation and um, flicking the gnocchis on the board if you have one of the little wooden boards with the grooves on it is kind of a fun process. So. I have a feeling that when I show my daughter how to make gnocchi, I'm going to have gnocchi in my ears before long. <laughs> uh, it's I love gnocchi, so um, I think having that little bit of uh, light, puffy you know, pillows of something in a rabbit stock broth-based soup would be very nice. Yeah, when you said when you said a, a rabbit broth, immediately made me think of of going to the restaurant, the Pretzoff in the Alto Adige, and they make they make a rabbit broth in the spring. Uh, when surprisingly, there are abundant rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, but, uh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, and and they always make canoodles. Okay. Canoodles with the nettles for the Ooh. for the soup. Okay. Yeah, that's that's nice. Which is terrific. That's a nice, nice, interesting accent. What wine would you drink with that soup? The the one I t- was talking about with the gnocchi and the morels. Mm. It's you want something really. I mean, it's super delicate. So maybe a very clean Silvaner, uh, a middle middle European varietal. So you see them from Alsace sometimes, from uh, uh, the Tyrol, the Atoadaje sometimes, but maybe uh, maybe a Silvaner. What wine would you have with your acorn squash and apple soup? Ooh, that's. I mean, a let's b- skip b- the b- padrone b- pepper b- relish and just yeah. talk about the soup. No, big, big American Chardonnay. Well, the, the relish doesn't have to be a dominating thing. It can be just a little bit that you stir in to just give it a little bit of final seasoning. As, but a great big toasty American Chardonnay would work, no question. I think that. I mean, I think that's probably the. What about the beer soup? What would you drink with that? Beer? <laughs> would you drink the same kind of beer you made it with, or? It de- it depends. I mean, how rich and how heavy is the soup going to be? How potatoey is it going to be? How much I don't think you should want to make it too thick and rich. I really don't. I I think it should be you know light on the potato and light on your consistency. Make sure there's a good amount of stock in the soup so it 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 it's not too thick. If it's if it's not too thick, then I would actually drink a rich beer with it. Um, so if if you're having if you made it with a you know, with stout or something, I would still drink something that's that's pretty rich, but very you know, serious gold nail, something like that. Mm-hmm. What about whiskey? Would that be, or would that not? Sounds fun. I may <laughs> not remember the next course. <laughs> oh boy! That whiskey. Let's see if you have enough memory for a chef challenge. Okay. You think? Let me have it. We need some of Flip Wilson's old uh, theme music for the Saka to Me, Saka to Me Uh-oh. before we go into Chef's Challenge. Oh, I can't believe your first thing I'm is puff pastry. I gave you puff pastry. To, oh, my gosh. Oh, boy. Oh, it's just That's amazing. so funny. All right, puff pastry, porcini <laughs> mushrooms, ground lamb. I love ground lamb. Curry, fresh thyme, carrots, beets, chayoga to be specific. Sweet white turnips versus not sweet white turnips. You know, the purple top turnips are kind of really bitter and hot. Sweet white turnips are fantastic. Don't get mad. Smoked trout, I'm not Granny mad. Smith, I'm apples, arugula, <laughs> apple cider, butter, creme fraiche, anato. Oh, okay. Anato is uh what is anato exactly? I always forget what it is exactly. It's a sp- it's a spice. It It's but it I, I color things like saffron but it has much more earthy flavor. Yeah, it I don't know what it really is, but you Kind of, you have to pound it in um, mortar and pestle, um, and it's it's almost um, resiny. It's kind of an odd texture, anato, um, but it's really delicious. It's used a very in a lot particular of, perfume. Yeah, very uh, much in uh, Latin cooking. It's All always right. in sofrito. Sofrito. Okay, so the ground lamb. I'm going to make um, 
you know, you can call it whatever you want, kebab, meatballs, whatever. Lamburgers? Lamburgers. Lamburgers. No, 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 I don't make hamburgers. This is a good day. I don't make lamburgers. Yeah, well. You know I don't make burgers. Hey, chef, nice so, burgers. <laughs> so the, <laughs> all right, so I have beets. I'm going to roast the beets, so I have to get those in the oven. I'm going to. What are you going to season the lamburgers with? Oh, hang on. I'm not, I'm just get, getting my priorities straight here, mister. Um, so I'm going to roast those beets in the oven with just corn oil and in a pan with foil and lightly salted and peppered. Um, I'm going to make a, a first course with the smoked trout. So smoked trout, just make sure the pin bones are out of the fish, and I'm going to remove the skin. And on the back side, there's what we call the bloodline in a fish. You just want to gently spoon that out. And I'm going to break the smoked trout into pieces and um, serve it on a bed of sliced the sliced Granny Smith apples, uh, the turnips, and make a salad with... Um, Apple cider is apple cider, or it's not vinegar. It's just apple the cider. apple cider. Okay. I'm going to reduce down the apple cider. I'm going to add um, uh, corn oil to it when it comes out of the pan. And basically, that's going to be my dressing. So, and I have arugula. So, the smoked trout pieces on the plate with the sliced turnips, um, the apples, and. Um, turnips, raw turnips, turnips roasted chilled. Raw turnips, raw turnips, thinly sliced and salted. The arugula with the apple cider vinaigrette. And um, actually, you just gave me a whole category of food here. I'll slice the roasted beets and also add that to the salad. So that's the salad. And with the lamb, I have porcini mushrooms and porcini. Well, so I'm going to, I'm going to, you have curry and thyme. So I'm going to add salt, pepper, and curry to the lamb. I'm going to pull the puff pastry out, lay it, roll it out as a flat sheet, and I'm going to lay in a whole layer of the ground lamb. You have carrots here, so I'm going to boil the carrots in salted and sugared water. Um, once they're out and tender, I'm going to lay them. I'm going to slice them long, uh, lengthwise, and th- relatively thin, and um, lay them on top of the ground lamb. And what else do I have? Okay, the annatto. Actually, I'm going to. There aren't any onions on here, but I assume I have onions somewhere. You got onions. So I'm going to saute onions with a, and and with a little bit of the annatto, and I'm going to add that to the layer above the carrots. And then I'm going to roll that in the puff pastry and into a, um, like a... You're making a lamb pommier? No, not not a pommier because that would be rolling it into two circles, but one solid circle. Just roll, roll, and um, brush it with egg wash and roast it in a 375-degree oven and keep an eye on it because you have raw lamb, which in this case, you're going to have to cook the lamb all the way through. So you want a pretty thin layer of the lamb. The carrots, as I said, were sliced, so those will be thin, and you want it to all get nice and hot. And um, I don't know what I'm doing with the butter and the creme fraiche. I'll just look at that. That's it. Unused dairy. <laughs> it's never happened before, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> there you go. That's my, that's my, that's, oh, here you go, Tony. Lamburgers in a blanket. I can't believe I gave you puff pastry, too. That happens. That's kind of funny. It's the puff pastry time of the year. I guess. All right. A wild boar head. Tête de sanglier. Very lovely. <laughs> I can't wait to have a long <laughs> conversation with my tête de sanglier. Uh, carrot, celery, onion, rosemary, morels, button mushrooms, garlic, chicken stock, escargot, puff pastry, parsley, white wine, red wine. Oh, no, we don't want the last two. Uh, the escargot, escargot morels sound like an awfully good snack. Uh, also rolled up in the puff pastry, so we can roast them a little bit. The garlic, the morels. Well, the morels is going to take a little bit of time to get the flavor really concentrated. And probably a little bit of chicken stock as well. 
um, once they're concentrated, take them down probably almost almost too far, and then bring them back a little bit, hydrate them a little bit back with uh, the chicken stock, and boil that liquid off, and uh, and then you have the escogo, the sweaty garlic, the morels for little packages, maybe little beggars purses, mm-hmm. a nice little snack. And then you got to deal with the tête de sanglier. So I never like to say face meat on the air, but you have choices to make. Uh, so the, the old-fashioned sort of country way, that, well, that's what that, that's the protein of the dish. So mm-hmm. um, you're going to have the, uh, you'll, have, you'll have glands to deal with, but they have that, that as well. Um, what you want, hopefully, is a whole lot of stock and uh, carrot, celery, onion, and rosemary, and you're going to boil that guy off and chill it down and reduce that stock that you have from boiling that off into a jelly. It's a cold dish that you're going to make, and you literally, you know, you 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 scrape all of the and charcuterie off. Well, what 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 could become charcuterie off the bone, and uh, and then you have choices to make if you want to make something in pastry again, if you want to make uh, if you want to press everything into a terrine, uh, if you're going to do that, don't cook it off too far. If you do cook it off to about you know, medium rare, medium, you could then pull everything, uh, prepare everything, you know, with various knife cuts into into form, make a force meat if you've got eggs and mm-hmm. a little breadcrumb and that sort of thing, sure. and, and and go into the terrine with it. But I think I'd ra- if it's me, I'd rather have it hot and just. Uh, and you literally just pull the meat. It's a very, it's funny. That's a very Bordelaise thing to do, like the Loire Valley thing to do, is to have that as a cold supper kind of a kind Sounds of a dish. So good. That would be delicious. Like a, like a not Sunday afternoon thing, but it's like the, you know, it's a, it's a, the Saturday afternoon wash like, day dinner. Well, kind of like going on a hunt day. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but, but the reality is the jelly that you get from that stock, that reduced chicken stock from boiling off that. The Tecto Sanglier. It's going to be seriously and good. The, yeah, and all the jelly that, that is in that good. guy is yeah. going to be serious yeah. business. And the flavor is going to be tremendous. You just need bread. You need like great like day old bread to like yeah to you know to grill and to put a little fresh garlic on and have that with the with the jelly and the and the face meat mm-hmm. from the Tecto Sanglier. <laughs> and that you can start drinking pretty good with that. I think that requires a certain level of. Uh, Relaxed attitude about your meal. <laughs> what what wine? Oh gosh, uh, I mean it could be a really good Loire Valley Cabernet Franc, like a Chinon, something like that. Chinon. Something that's got a real verve and can take on the strong flavors that are there. But in the end, I mean the meat is pretty mild flavor. It's it's pork. The jelly is going to have good flavor. That's the that's the treat. I wonder if we could get that around here. Can't be easy. No, the only ranch I can think of that has. Uh, while we're growing on it is down in Texas so mm-hmm. and uh, it's not like they have them in a farm you literally have to like call a guy and he goes out and then he hunts it and well, you know right. then, then then you get it so but that is, that is one of the more exotic challenges that you've given me I thought you would be up to it yeah now, now, now I'm interested in doing some weird 1880s sort of a hunt day that would be fun meal yeah no question so with the puff pastry that I'm, you know, on my challenge. You mean with the, 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 the lamb burgers in the blanket? <laughs> the lamb burgers in the blanket, yes. Lovely. You, you could drink Dellinger with that in a heartbeat. I tell you what, that, that Zinfandel 
seeds are all blended. They made from their their neighbor's property, mm-hmm. uh, from that fruit. They only made it the one time in two thousand nine. That would be great for that kind. But that of, was special, that, very that, special. That kind of a dish. In uh, yeah, in a heartbeat, the the smoked trout apple turnip business needs something bracing. I don't think that there's anything, maybe really really snappy sauvignon. Uh, from uh, Eastern Austria or something from the Kamtau. That might do it. But, uh, but yeah, it's funny. We we definitely have a rhythm of doing easy challenges and harder challenges. I think I gave you a little bit harder challenge today. I liked it. Well, I think that's all we have time for on Formula Wolf on Food & Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. If you'd like to correspond with us, it's foremanwolf at wypr.org. If you'd like to download this program or any other podcasts, please go to the WYPR website, wypr.org. And if you want to follow Chef Cindy Wolf on social media, you can follow me on Twitter, Chef Cindy Wolf, or on Instagram, Chef Wolf. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great Sunday.